Hi, everyone. Before we begin, please be advised that this podcast does contain adult themes, and it is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. In 11 miles, you're going to turn left on Ramsey Cutoff. For me, a road trip consists of a few important things. Fast food, cheap coffee, and of course, SpongeBob SquarePants remixes. Stop sign, just like I'm on the road with my crew. Kevin, our videographer, is in the driver's seat. Kate, one of our producers, is riding shotgun, and Eric, our podcast producer, is sitting in the back seat, jamming out with me. We're on our way from Las Vegas to Carson City, Nevada. And that's where we're supposed to meet up with a legend in the world of the sex trade. So the sun is peeking through some, like, thick gray clouds because there was a heavy storm. Um, there seems to be a little bit of a haze across the mountains. And it's just straight desert. Like, we're driving on a road in the middle of desert where there's like smaller plants. We saw a lot of cacti on the drive here. And um, yeah, it's just like, it's golden hour. It's a seven hour drive. So eventually we have to stop for gas in the middle of the desert. And it turns out that the gas station we stop at isn't your typical gas station. And it's called the Area 51 Alien Center. And then it's an alien brothel, question mark? Are there aliens here? I hop out of the SUV and do, you know, the mid-road trip stretch. And I'm looking up at a gray sky. And the vibe is just a little eerie. As soon as I walk into the gas station, I feel like I've entered a twilight zone. And it just keeps getting more bizarre. And it says Alien Cat House house Brothel. Wow. I've never seen a brothel in real life, so this is an experience. It literally just says brothel. Yeah. Looks like a pretty typical, like, 7-Eleven. So, I mean, it's... (laughs) There's an alien! There's um, pictures of aliens, and there's alcohol in alien bottles and alien shirts. I've never even heard of this place, I'm not gonna lie. Um, Alien socks, a lot of green, green walls, green aliens, green cutouts, and a lot of kids running around in the diner. But I wonder if they know there is a brothel attached to this um, diner slash gas station slash alien exhibit. Can I just point out that I wanted to go like a slightly longer way that would have gone through a national park and we ended up here. Also, I'm going to go to this bathroom. If you want to see a video of us at the Area 51 brothel, text the word alien to the number 202-804-2480. That's A-L-I-E-N to the number 202-804-2480. It's like the place is under a magic spell, and I just want to keep exploring more. At the back of the store, I see rows and rows of shelves covered with just one book. It's the art of the pimp. A love 
A Love Story, One Man's Search for Love, Sex, and Money by the P.D. Barnum of Booty, Dennis Hoff. Proprietor and pimp, world-famous Moonlight Bunny Ranch. Stacy, meanwhile, was trying to find the strength to dump her loser boyfriend. She'd call me two or three times a week. We'd talk, and I'd get hard on the phone, remembering the way I'd rocked her perfect ass in my Tampa hotel room. This is pornographic. <laughs> like, can't. I have to get my fast food fix, so we buy snacks and head outside. And I just can't believe what I see next. <laughs> Read that. Dennis Hoff says join the Republican Party. I did. And that's a big billboard with Dennis Hoff wearing a cowboy hat. Now, <laughs> I wonder <laughs> I wonder how he's going to feel about tomorrow's interview. Crazy. What a coincidence. A random stop for gas in the middle of the desert and the closest thing available isn't just a gas station, it's a brothel too. And this brothel is owned by the same guy we're driving seven hours to meet. Dennis Hoff, America's most infamous legal pimp. He owns several brothels in Nevada. In this state, prostitution is legal, but only in some counties, and only out here in the desert. Prostitution is still illegal in Las Vegas. I feel like we've just driven into a completely different world. One where alien brothels just appear out of nowhere, and it only gets weirder from here. So far, we've heard from people who have been exploited and from some of the prosecutors and cops who are trying to find ways to end the exploitation. But here in Nevada, some counties are doing something entirely different. They've made selling sex in a brothel setting legal. So that's got me thinking. Can sex just be a business where everyone benefits and no one is exploited? And if you want to explore that question, you have to meet some of the people who are making money out here in the desert. And the man at the center of it all, Dennis Hoff. I'm Noor Tagori, and this is Sold in America. They see me on that corner when they went to work. They see me on that corner when they get off of work. Something is wrong. And nobody's never stopping X. If they pay the price, I will do it. I'm really about my money, but like, I'm ex- not gonna lie, I'm expensive. My biggest concern is I'm homeless and I want a fucking place to stay and I want to be able to eat. But nobody listens to us when we say that. I'm not a piece of trash. I'm a human being and I don't deserve to be treated that way. We're all a close-knit little community here that supports each other. The difference is we can have sexual interaction too. And the girls do it. This road trip ends at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch, just outside of Carson City. This is Dennis Hoff's most famous brothel. They're interesting. She's a working girl. Welcome to the Moonlight Bunny Ranch. She's a working girl. Everyone does it. We're just smart enough to get paid for it. (laughs) It was featured in several documentaries, and it even had its own reality show on HBO called Cat House. Cat House aired over the span of almost 10 years, starting in 2005. The show portrayed selling sex like a business, just like any other. Men are dumb. They don't know things that satisfy women. Most guys don't know where the G-spot is, much less how to get to it. We teach men, average lovers, how to be kings at home. That show made Dennis Hoff famous. 
He was one of the stars in the series, and it really raised his profile and helped him sell his business model. Doing it on TV was a great opportunity for him and kind of necessary because legally, he isn't allowed to advertise his brothels on statewide television, but an HBO show pretty much did that for him for 10 years straight. The series was filmed right here at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch. So just remember, as we get into this, what you're about to hear is a sales pitch for Dennis Hoff and how he sells sex. But what I want to know is how does that sales pitch compare with the reality of the day-to-day here at his brothel? Yeah. The sun is beaming in the sky as we approach the brothel, and it is a hot, hot day. The brothel is so famous, it has its own media manager. His name is Mark Madoff. His office is in a building separate from the main ranch. And when we meet him, I'm a little taken aback. He doesn't look anything like what I expected. He's not dressed in a suit. In fact, he's dressed in a well-worn gray t-shirt, a pair of shorts, and a pair of sneakers. We walk into his office, and it's completely dark. The only light you can see is the light coming off of the two Mac screens. He's blasting heavy metal music, and there are just stacks and stacks of papers and books all over the place. Well, um, a lot of, uh, of disconnecting here when I turn off the music. Hi. So I wonder who you are. Nor. Nice to meet you. I'm nice Eric. to meet you. Who are you? Eric. Nice Eric. to meet you. Yeah. Kate. Nice Kate. to meet you. Let's go, Kevin. There's a whole crew here. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So you're uh, you're here to talk to prostitutes. We're here to talk to yeah, Dennis and some of the girls. Do you usually work out of this one? Work out of? I, I live in here. Do you really? You were just standing on my bed. Are you being serious? <laughs> yeah. It's quite a life. You should do a story about me. Mm-hmm. Après vous. <laughs> Have any of you folks ever been at a brothel before? A legal brothel? No, no, I have not. Really? No. Oh, okay. Well, this is a unique bit of Americana. Most people think that brothels are legal in Nevada. They're not. They're only legal in a few counties where the, uh, the population is rural enough where they uh, they want us here because, you know, they make money off us. So it's illegal in Vegas. It's illegal in Reno. It's illegal in Carson City. It's only here in the, uh, the boonies. Mark offers to drive with us over to the main ranch. That's the place customers go first when they visit the brothel. If you want to make a right, you see where that flashing sign is up there? It says bunny. So this is the entrance to the the famous bunny ranch. And you'll notice the uh, tongue-in-cheek signs. As you drive up towards the ranch, there are signs on the side of the road that say things like, Bunnies at play. There's also a speed limit sign that says speed limit 69. Just kidding, 35. From the outside, it looks like a quaint little shop in the middle of the desert. There's beige vinyl siding and even a white picket fence that surrounds the entire place. And attached to the siding, there are giant pink letters that spell out Moonlight Bunny Ranch. We park, and as we walk inside, it hits me. I'm probably the first woman wearing a hijab to ever step through these doors. Mark doesn't seem to care. 
He starts showing us around. We start off in the front room, which looks just like a bar. There are dark walls and carpet, couches strewn about, and alcohol served in the back. The room is pretty empty now, and most of the girls are actually back in their bedrooms. But they get their own room because um, it's, uh, they party. The encounters with the, with the guests are in the room. We call the euphemism for the encounter is uh, a party. So they party in the same room they live in. Mark shows us to this place they refer to as the Hooker Booker Room. It's a room where clients come to sign all of the legal papers. And it's covered in those legal papers. But it's also covered in screens streaming security footage from all over the brothel. And right by the desk is the first working girl we meet. She sees us and then starts whispering to Mark. You want to touch somebody? What? Well, you definitely can't touch that one. Um, <laughs> hi. I never find out her name, but she's wearing a pair of orange boy shorts and a very small orange crop top that matches. Her hair is brown and a little shaggy, and she has heavy black eye makeup that looks like it's been on there for quite a while. She starts pointing at each one of us, saying she wants to touch us. I can feel myself tensing up. I don't want anyone to touch me. And I'm starting to sweat. This is Wendy. Wendy's the, hey, the day manager. I'm sorry, I forgot everybody's name. How do you guys feel about being molested? In case you didn't catch that, she just said, how do you guys feel about being molested? And then she starts asking me to take off my shirt. Come on, you're a playboy. Come on. Oh, so you saw that? No, well, you can Google that shit. Come With on. her clothes. <laughs> With her clothes. You never took them off? I've never in my life have I taken off my shirt. No, I'm just kidding. Even when she's in the shower. <laughs> okay, just for some backstory here. If you Google my name, one of the first things that you're going to see is me featured in Playboy magazine. In 2016, I was featured in their Renegades issue. I talked about my work as a journalist, about why I choose to wear the hijab, and how I want to change the prevailing narrative about Muslims in America. This was during a year Playboy decided to stop publishing nudity, and, of course, I was fully clothed. You didn't get naked for Playboy? I didn't get naked for Playboy. That was the whole point. Like, just like a little, just come on. I, I don't think you're going to convert her. Okay, so... Uh, Not this, with this, you this, here. It's going to be a shift, shift change at 7. I mean, like, you know, you're coming here getting free interviews. You could just, like, turn around and lift up your sweater and see what's... I mean, to me, this feels like she's trying to intimidate me. And I'm not going to lie, it's absolutely working. I've never been sexually harassed by a woman before. So this totally catches me off guard. And I know it catches the rest of my team off guard because no one is saying anything. We're all stunned. And right now, all I'm thinking to myself is, did I make a mistake coming here? Is this what it's going to be like for the rest of the night? Is this just a one-off moment and the rest of the night is going to go smoothly? I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And I'm nervous. Finally, we leave the room, and I can breathe. And we go back to the front room where we started. So, as you saw by that little display, we have all types of people that work here. So, go with the flow. Tierra Tay is one of the girls. She's going to come out now. Oh, hey, Tierra. Hi. 
Let me, this is the crew. This is Tierra. Tierra. Nice to meet you. Hi. A woman walks up to us, and she is tall. I look straight at her feet to see if she's wearing heels, and nope, she's wearing a pair of flip-flops. She's around six feet tall and in her 20s. Her hair is long and bleach blonde. She has a diamond belly button ring that is on proud display right below her crop top. And she takes us around the rest of the ranch. Laundering stuff and folds it. She's super cool. They're all super cool. Um, so tanning room in here. I use the tanning salon often, as you can see. Um, doctor's office. The girls get tested weekly, as you know. And if, um, you know, something comes up, you know, you're not allowed on the premises. Is that where you guys would do the tests? Yeah, in this building right here. Okay. Yeah, we have a doctor, the two doctors that come. One takes blood and then one does, like, the stuff down there, of course. I'll take you to my room. Tiara's room is down a long hallway lit with blue and red lights. There's a king-sized bed in the middle of the room covered with a fluffy pink blanket. The walls are pink, too. There's a fireplace and a television with a PlayStation off in the corner. So I'm still working on decorations. I'm going to get lights for, like, my bed. And obviously this wall space is driving me nuts, so I need to get some pictures. Tiara actually lives here. She pays room and board to Dennis. She's an independent contractor and can make anywhere from a few hundred to thousands of dollars per night. But Dennis takes half of whatever she makes. She welcomes me into her room and invites me to sit on her bed with her. And she's so kind and inviting that I feel comfortable and I feel like I can breathe again. It's so hot. I know. It's comfortable too, huh? Oh my gosh. Wow, wait. This mattress is mad comfortable. I know. I sleep really good. (laughs) So tell me about how you started at the ranch. Um, So I was dancing at the clubs in Portland and in Vegas. And um, my friend, who was a bar owner, was like, oh, yeah, I love the brothels, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, brothels? He's like, yeah, the legal brothels are great. Like, I spent X amount of dollars there, and I loved it. And this was a huge amount of money. I'm like, I need to go there right now. (laughs) And I signed up, and here I am, and I'm making good money. And he was right. People come in and spend that kind of money. Wow. While you were dancing, were you ever approached to do this illegally? Yeah, I was propositioned every night. And did you ever even consider it? No, I never thought I'd be doing this. I was like, oh, I'll never do that. But then I heard, like, it's legal and the girls are tested. Like, I gave it a chance. I used to, to be honest, I used to, like, talk down on it. Like, paying someone for sex. Like, but now my whole mindset's changed and I'm a part of it. So I really wish I never talked down on it, you know? How long do you see yourself doing this? The next eight years. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a goal, like a certain amount of money by the time I quit, um, and a house. As soon as I found out I was going to be doing this, I kind of started going through goals in my head, like, what am I going to do with this money? You know, I need to start a retirement fund. I need certain things. You know, I want a new car, of course, you know, all the material stuff. But then, of course, like, I need to be set for my future. So I'm like, I'm going to set up my future right now at the Bunny Ranch. And that might not be just a pipe dream. There are some women who work at the Bunny Ranch for decades. Can you walk me through what a negotiation process is like for you here? So when the customer first comes into my room, um, the first thing I do is just say, make yourself at home, sit on my bed. Um, 
And then I start asking him questions like, where are you from? You know, just trying to make him feel comfortable instead of being like, how, what's your budget? How much money you got? This is my price. And then I say, some people come in here and they have a certain thing in their mind already planned that they want to do with a girl. Are you that person? Do you have a fetish or a fantasy you want me to fulfill? Or are you basic? You know, oral, intercourse, or oral and intercourse. And then they'll either say they have a fetish and then I will choose my price how, depending on how dramatic that fetish is, or if they're normal, I will go with my regular price. Do you feel safe every single time? I do. I really do. I sit down with the person and, you know, talk with them for a little bit. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be safe, but, um, you know, I can, I'm pretty good at feeling out vibes and um, picking up vibes and um, feeding off of vibes, and I've felt safe so far every time. I've never felt, um, like, I've only been doing this for two months, like I said, but um, I haven't came across anything that's like been like, oh, this is unsafe or oh, this is crazy. There seem to be lots of safety measures in place here. Tiara gets up to show me one of them. It's a panic button right in her room. You okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was an accident. Okay, girls. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> no, no, yeah, now you see how it works. Now we know. Yeah. Wow. Um, that was like a really rush. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, it was quick. You see, like, if something happens, they're going to be right there. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I'm glad that. Does that make that you feel safe? safe? Yeah, of course. She was right on it, like, yeah. in seconds. Um, what was I saying, though? Yeah, hold on. Is that... That's the bell. What's so the bell? that's the lineup. There's a lineup happening. Oh, okay. So do- I mean, I don't care right now. No, there would be plenty of those. I mean, if you guys want to get it... Now would be the time the customer will stand in front and then the girls will come yeah. out. Can we? Yeah, let's. Yeah. Let's do it. We so kind of have to hurry or else they're going to start without us. So there's a lineup happening, which means a customer just came through and the girls are going to line up and the customer is going to take their pick. We follow Tiara to the front door where the customer is standing with one of the ranch greeters. Tiara joins the rest of the women. If you want to see what the lineup actually looks like, text the word lineup to 202-804-2480. That's L-I-N-E-U-P to the number 202-804-2480. I'm just hanging back. I'm watching from a few yards away. situated. And let's go ahead and start introductions on the left. Hi, I'm Danny. Hello, I'm Sarah. Hi, I'm Mercedes. So all of the girls are doing introductions. Um, everyone's dressed up. And it's funny because their hands are behind their back and it seems like they're a little shy from where I'm looking, but um, they're introducing themselves to the client. And he looks like he just picked a girl, the one straight in the middle, and he is walking her back now. So I didn't get picked, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, is can you kind of explain to me how it feels every time, or is it just a when it happens, it happens? Yeah, it's just if he picks you, great. If not, then you wait for the next spell. Do you mind if we walk back? To you? Yeah, we can go back. I just can't get over how strange this all feels to me. 
Tiara is the first person I've met who seems so at ease. She's selling sex like it's a TV at Best Buy. But here she is, working for the Dennis Hoff. How often do you talk to him or do you see him? Oh, all the time. He's here all the time, yeah. I mean, not all the time because he's very busy and he's working, but um, he's here a lot. This is The Bunny Ranch is his baby, so he's here a lot. And so far, what's your relationship with him been like? Great. He's so positive. He's so much fun to hang around. He's got a great sense of humor. Um, Like I said, he's positive. Like, you want to be around him. If something's going wrong or I'm having a problem with the client, he talks me through it, what to say, what to do. Um, He's been in this game forever, so he knows best. And look how successful he is. Like, why would I not listen to him? Remember that clip of the reality TV show Cat House that takes place here at the Bunny Ranch and it was airing on HBO? Well, spending time here at the brothel is a lot like watching that episode, but in real life. And so far, the show seems to match up with the reality of what goes on here. But I still haven't heard from the man who runs it all. After the break my experience with America's most famous legal pimp. Dennis Hoff, glad to meet you. When you watch Dennis Hoff walk into a room, you don't even have to see him first before you see what happens in the surrounding area. There's this gravitational pull. All of the girls just flock to him. To me, it almost seems like a requirement for them to just fawn all over him. And it makes sense. He is their boss. It looks to me like none of them ever want to get on his bad side. Dennis Hoff is a tall, bald, white guy in his 70s. He's wearing a teal button-up and blue jeans. He has a pearly white smile that's captivating and a beer belly hanging over his belt. But the one thing anybody can notice about him is his crazy confidence. He walks through the door like he owns the place, and he does, and takes me straight to the bar. We hop onto two bar stools facing each other, and this is when the performance starts. He takes out a fat cigar, lights it up, and blows a couple of puffs in my face. He asks the bartender for a fake glass of champagne. And this all seems very familiar, because... I've watched some of his interviews, and I've seen that he typically has that cigar in his hand and the glass of champagne right next to him. Yeah. All right, we ready? We're going to have some fun. Yeah. Um, so take us back all the way to the beginning. The uh, first time you ever even came across your first working girl. Well, my first sexual encounter... Uh, my first erection was when I was about nine years old, and I was at the Arizona State Fairgrounds, and I was up about six or eight rows watching this movie being filmed. And this beautiful blonde, Marilyn Monroe, kept looking at me, and she waved to me, and my grandmother nudged me and said, wave to her. So I waved to her. A few minutes later, she came up 
with her bodyguards, and my grandma says, stand up. She walked up and put her hand on my shoulder, gave me a kiss, and put a big red lipstick mark on me and said, you're a handsome young man. And, and, and I've been with glammed up blondes all my life since then. And I was hard as Chinese arithmetic. There it is. I start with a basic first question, and Dennis makes it about his erection. That's a line he's used so often that he starts his book with it. It's one thing to read it in his book, but it's another thing to be sitting that close up to him and have him say it straight to my face. It's kind of throwing me off balance, and I kind of think that's what he wants right now. That, that started it. So how did you first get into the brothel business? I started, I moved to Reno from Phoenix in 76. I, came, I started dating a girl. I didn't know it. She was a prostitute. She said, just be open-minded. Come out and take a look. Sunday night is the night when boyfriends can come out. I want you to come out and meet everybody and see what's going on. So I came out and I said, wow, this seems kind of kind of normal once you get past what the product is. Because I'm, I'm a young businessman, own a bunch of gas stations, and a garage, and a towing company, right? And uh, and the lights went on as, as a businessman. I said, yeah. So it took me till 92 to buy it. And uh, I bought it. And everybody said, this guy's a square. It's not going to work. And I said, well, I may be a square, but I'm a small businessman. I understand business. And so when I took the sign down that said Moonlight Ranch, men only, and put up the sign that says Dennis Hoff's world famous Moonlight Bunny Ranch, because I knew it would be someday, because I'm going to make it that way. Um, I sat down with the girl and said, here's the new rules. New boss in town, new sheriff in town. Guess what? There's no minimum price anymore. What? No, I'm not going to say what you're worth. That's up to you and the customer what you want to do. I don't want any involvement in that. And you'll never be chastised for saying no. And so don't party with anybody you don't want to. Don't do anything you don't want to. And don't do anything for any less money than you feel like it's worth. Just be nice to the client. If you're rude and say, you're too tall, you're too short, you're too fat, you're too black, whatever, you're out the door in a second. And they said, he'll never make it. Again, because I'm a square. And the other thing I did is we got a new deal. Zero tolerance on drugs, zero tolerance on pimps. I don't want any pimps in my life. I don't want any girls with pimps. I hate what it stands for. Uh, what does it stand for? Well, it, 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 it stands for, it depends on who's saying it. If, if Snoop or Little John or... Or two, you, two your book. Crew, yeah, or me. They say I'm a pimp, so that means I'm cool. Yay, D's pimp, he's cool. If Sean Hannity says it uh, or Bill O'Reilly, we're going to fight. Because I'm not a pimp. I'm a businessman. In the book, in The Art of the Pimp, I say it in jest. Because when you read the book, you find out the last thing I am is a pimp. I'm a partner with these girls. And a good partner and a good friend to most of them. I'm a lot of things to girls. I'm I'm a friend. I'm I'm a dad. I'm a lover. uh, I'm a financial backer. uh, I'm an advisor. I'm a lot of things to a lot of people. We've had 11,000 girls here since 1992. Well, so then can you define the word pimp in your own terms? A pimp, in its simplest term, is, is a man that brings women, uh, brings men or women to girls for sex. Okay, so in the simplest term, I'm a pimp. But, but I have a license. I have a business license to do this. So you're it's, a legal pimp. I, I'm, a, I'm a legal pimp, absolutely. But 
in the street vernacular, in most people's thoughts, a pimp is the guy that goes to Kansas City, grabs underage girls, runaways, fills them up with drugs, and owns them and makes them, hauls them around to Oakland, Las Vegas, sexual cesspool of America, and a lot of different places like that. Uh, so they, they have them work in the streets, they're doing illegal things, they're not tested, they're full of drugs. This business, the prostitution business worldwide, is a dirty, disgusting, drug-ridden, exploitive, disease-ridden business till you legalize it. And when you make it legal, everything changes. The whole game changes. Hang on a second. Hey, Wendy? Wendy? All of a sudden, in the middle of our conversation, Dennis starts yelling for one of his employees in the back. Some of the girls are getting a little rowdy, and Dennis Hoff suddenly snaps out of this Mr. Nice Guy mode he's been in all night, and it's quite jarring. Wendy? Christy? Somebody? Okay, the girls gotta go. They can't sit in there and talk. Go outside or go to your room. They can't, they can't do this to me. Okay, they gotta go. This outburst is the first time I can really say I think I just saw Dennis Hoff. It shattered this illusion that he's just a regular old boss who treats his female employees like his partners and it's always just a jolly good time around here. Because it doesn't really sound to me like he's talking to a big happy family. There's also the fact that he does sleep with some of his employees and that's not typically allowed in other businesses. Are most of them friends with each other? The girls? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a dorm. You're not going to like everybody here. Yeah. And that's okay. We're all doing business. I don't have to like all the girls. Um, but it's like, it's like a dorm. And uh, all the goods and the bads. We're a microcosm of America. Whatever good and bad happens in America, it happens here. Are, are, are girls in here that come in here are alcoholics? Yeah. But we get them help. And if we get them help, we get them out the door. Are there girls in here that, that come in here with drug habits? Yeah. Just like every business. Yeah. The difference is I'll admit it where other businesses won't. And, and we, we try to fix people and try to help them out. And so uh, is our percentage of girls that are here that are alcoholics or drug addicts or have personal problems higher than the mainstream society? Nope. But we deal with it. And that's what a family does. And we, we think we are a family. We're all a close-knit little community here that supports each other. The difference is we can have sexual interaction, too, and the girls do it. Does having, does legalizing prostitution alleviate sex trafficking, in your opinion? Yes. It's never going to eliminate it, but it's going to slow it down to a crawl. If the consumer, man or woman, has a legal option to go to, they're going to take it. And let me give you a few examples. Liquor, prohibition. The only one that made money was the gangsters and the crooked politicians. Now the liquor industry contributes $6 billion a year to the federal coffers. You're never going to get rid of sex trafficking, but you're going to slow it down. And you could knock it down 90%, in, 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 in my thought, by making it legal. Because when a guy goes on one of these li- online scumbag sites and finds a girl. They make these girls, they dress them up, barely legal. Look at the vernacular they use when they're trying to sell these girls. And so the customer doesn't know if they're 18. 
he might be a guy that says, well, how old are you? You look kind of, I'm 18. I'm 18, I'm 18. He doesn't know for sure. He says, well, let me see your ID. Fake ID. It's all easy to get. So when, when you legalize something, who do you take out of the business? You take the underage girls out because every girl here has to go down and get a business license, be fingerprinted, photographed. They run the federal check on them to make sure there's no wants or warrants. And if you've even had as much as a marijuana ticket for $35 in your state, you can't work here for five years after conviction. It eliminates underage girls in the brothels. That's never going to happen. Who else can't get in the business? The pimps. The ruthless, brutal pimps can't get in the business in Nevada because they, like me, I've been through 10 year of my life, seven, 10 year of my life background checks. Any business transactions I've had, tax returns, you name it. I've, they, they ask me. They check me out from A to Z because they, they don't want anybody messing up the system. I'm black and white. If you're having sex for money, you're a criminal. That's it. That's it. Now, if you're underage, you're a victim. I don't care if the girl wanted to. It comes to a pimp and say, I want to be part of your team, part of your family. You're still a victim. You know, I but if they're old, if they are of age, but they're being trafficked, they're not. They're criminals. They have no business being in the business. We can't. We can't enable. The women are criminal. criminals. Of course they are. You're selling sex for money in America, but, and you're not doing it legally in a brothel. You're a criminal. Just to be clear, he's talking here about women who sell sex where it's not legal. Basically, everybody who's not working in a legal brothel, which is basically the rest of the country. But if they don't have a choice. What do you mean? What, what do you mean you have a choice? Everybody's got a choice. But if you're, if you have a pimp or if somebody is taking the money from you or if you're in a terrible situation. That's terrible. It's terrible. It's but disgusting. But you still think they should go to jail? I don't, th- I don't think it's, it depends on the circumstances. They don't have to do this. They can break those ties. They, everybody knows how to ni- call 911. Okay? They walk out of the hotel room with her and dial 911. I'm being trafficked. I need help. Law enforcement, does, but what it, in the cases that law enforcement isn't helping them or is arresting them instead? They're helping them. You know, these, these sex workers that are doing things illegally have all these excuses. It's bullshit. It, trust me, it's bullshit. And it sounds to me like you're falling into that trap. They're criminals. They're working in a criminal activity. If they're being forced to work sexually and, and being sex slaves, yes, they are victims. No matter what age they are, they are victims and they need help. But if you're in the business and you, you're doing it because you want to be, you're a criminal. And I don't care what any girls say, they're criminals. They're working in a criminal environment. And then you know what? When they get killed or they get beat up bad or they get arrested, they feel bad for themselves. Why the hell were you in the business? You're a criminal. It's no different than a drug dealer getting shot by another drug dealer and then complaining about it to the police. I can tell you, just by the questions you're asking, you're falling into the trap. They're nonsense. And don't do it. I got it right. Trust me, I got it right. Dennis Hoff's view of the world is pretty black and white. To him, the only way to get rid of exploitation is to legalize sex work across the country, make it a business, and regulate it. To him, making sex work legal will make it safer. But also, it's the only option that makes him a lot more money. 
After we finish talking, I'm exhausted by how intense he is. I'm still thinking about what happened earlier this morning. I sink down onto one of the couches in the parlor, and I am beat. I play the day back through my mind, trying to make sense of everything. I think once you get past uh, the photos of nudity everywhere, you realize that this is kind of just like any other business establishment. Um, Everyone has money on their mind. And when you ask the girls what their priority is here, what they're trying to get out, and that is exactly what they're going to tell you. And so I think a lot of people have this idea that uh, brothels are, I guess, crazy or um, what they are used to seeing on TV. The vibe here is just super chill, and that's something that I didn't really expect. But there were some things that did stand out to me. Every working girl I've seen here today is white, with the exception of one girl. The women here look a lot different than the other sex workers I've met. That's probably because it's not easy to get a job here. You have to have the money to apply for a business license, you can't have a criminal record, and you have to be up to Dennis's standards, which typically are blonde and beautiful. Whatever your feelings about Dennis Hoff, there's at least one thing he's wrong about. Illegal sex work isn't always a matter of choice. Medic really set in that like, well, you're a trans woman now and you're also brown. It's going to be hard to find a job. Yeah. And then that was when I eventually found myself periods of homelessness. And the worst part was it wasn't like I, I didn't do drugs. I didn't like drink. You know, I did everything I was supposed to do. I, I like, went to college. But no, it, it didn't matter. Once all these things started happening, just because I was trans, it was like it all crumbled. <laughs> and I'm about to learn all of that, right here in my hometown, Washington, D.C. Because D.C., well, they're exploring an entirely different approach. If the country isn't ready for legalization, what if we just stop arresting people for buying and selling sex? Next time on Sold in America. Before we go, we have some news about Dennis Hoff. Just as we were finalizing this episode of Sold in America, we found out that Dennis passed away. He was found dead at his Love Ranch brothel west of Las Vegas. Dennis Hoff had just celebrated his 72nd birthday. Hey, I really would love to know what you thought about this episode. Did you have any questions or comments? Did you remember one of your own personal memories or stories? And do you want to share those with me? I'd love to hear them. If so, record a voice memo on your phone of you asking that question or even telling me your story. And then text it to me at 202-804-2480. We'll gather up all of your voice memos and then use them in a bonus episode at the end of the season. Can't wait to hear from you. Sold in America is reported and produced by me, Noor Tagori, with Eric Krupke, Kate Grumke, and Kevin Clancy. The show is edited by Suzanne Reber and Ellen Weiss. Our executive editor is Peter Clowney. Sound design and original theme music by David Herman. 
Special thanks to Mark Fahey, Karen Rodriguez, Aisha Bagshi, and Rick Kwan. We also want to thank Andrew Haig for our collaboration with Ground Source. Sold in America is a production of the Scripps Washington Bureau and Stitcher. Our senior producer is John Asante. Our executive producers are Jenny Radelet and Chris Bannon. I'm Noor Tagori. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Noor and Twitter at ntagori. And I'd also love it if you checked out our video documentary. You can find it by Googling Newsy Sold in America. If you like this show, and I really hope you do, don't forget to rate it and review it on the Apple Podcast app. It really helps other people find the show. And of course, thank you so much for listening. Stitcher. You can think of household name episodes as lifelines when you're stuck in a boring conversation. Need to change the subject? Tell them the secrets behind Victoria's Secret. Or how a single lie turned KFC into a Japanese Christmas tradition. It was lie. No. (laughs) I still regret that. Did you know Panera opened cafes where customers could pay whatever they wanted? That before it was a hippie car, the VW Beetle was created by Nazis. Hitler built a city for the Beetle? <laughs> like the hippie Beetle? <laughs> you can talk about how LaCroix, Crocs, Carhartt, and Canada Goose all became surprisingly cool. And wow your friends with stories of TGI Friday's wild early days as one of the first singles bars. I'd be standing at the bar on Fridays and say, hi, darling, I own this place. That seemed to work. I'm Dan Bobkoff, and I host Household Name from Business Insider and Stitcher. We make this show so you have something to talk about. Subscribe to Household Name for surprising stories about famous brands. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Household Name, brands you know, stories you don't. Listener.